Hey brothers, happy Thursday. A uh, concept that um, we are all very familiar with is the purity spiral. I think a great, uh, a great many of us have been victims of it uh, and perpetrators. You know, I think we get to this uh, this thing in Christianity where uh, you know the Puritan meme is great. You want to purify. You want to, you want to get rid of the things that are diluting and weakening uh, the faith or the effectiveness of a group. Um, I think the best metaphor for this would be uh, military fitness standards. You know, so if you want to be a marine, you can't let anyone be a marine. You know, like oh that dude's in a that dude's six hundred pounds. It's like I'm a marine. It's like sorry, buddy, we're gonna purity spiral you out of this place if you can't do. Yeah, six minute mile with a pack and twenty, whatever their whatever their standards are, you know that's the that's the just the justification of a purity spiral is how effective do you want your group to be? Um, that determines how pure, how high a standard we set for membership within our group. Now the problem with most churches is that they don't achieve anything. They're not a very effective, they don't take the militaristic kingdom uh, metaphor of church. They take the happy family, love everybody uh, kind of metaphor. So they don't really achieve anything. They just love people. We just love people. We just love people. And it's like, that's nice. Um, but your people are functionally pagan. The, the people that you love are functionally uh, living in a hell. Um, and so, so as Christians, when we want to change culture, when we want to take dominion, there has to be a certain, there has to be a certain ideological purity. You know, that's understandable. Um, however, the, the, the task ahead of us requires uh, more than little bands of, of special operations, uh, highly pure uh, guys. Um, and, and I think the, the, the metaphor we want to look at here is coalitions. You know, so if we look at cultural ascendancy, uh, you know, the Amish and the, the Mormons are culturally ascendant. They, they have of, you know, them and the Muslims, but, but towards a more Christo centric, like who, who is more, who is more alliable uh, as a Protestant Christian, you know, I'm not going to go and ally with the Muslims. Uh, but I'd happily ally with uh, the Amish and uh, and the Mormons uh, if they if they would have us. If you want to call it that, I, you know, I think we're superfluous to their means. That they, they are, they are, they're so clearly defined in their own aims and their own tribal. They they have tribalism. What we want from them is a touch of tribalism. We want their technology. We want their uh, ways. You know, and so so that's where we'd have to get to this place of being like, okay, like the Christian, the Western Western Christendom is so broken, uh, and at the same time we have that American meme that that American an American is a Christian, you know. So that's where we get all these pop churches that you don't really you care very much evangel about evangelization, you know. So let's get as many people in this church as possible. Boom, yeah, we've got a couple hundred or a couple thousand people in our church. This is awesome. They've all said the sinner's prayer. Um, 
But now discipleship becomes an issue. There has to be some form of moving people towards Christ-likeness, towards cultural dominion um, that we just don't see. Uh, and so I feel like, you know, the Amish and, and the Mormons get a bad rap from people who are afraid uh, of Protestants picking up their ways. Uh, but it's just like any, you know, any, uh, any man is going to have issues. Any man is going to have uh, problems in secret. Uh, just like a Mormon, just like a, a an Am, an Amish. Uh, however, that doesn't take away from their public effectiveness, their public ascendancy uh, of their culture. And so I just wanted to, to kind of get us into this place. Romans 14 is where uh, Paul's talking about, you know, some guys are like, you can't eat meat uh, grilled to an idol. Like that's sin. And then other dudes are like, hey, man, eat whatever. Like if you've got faith, eat whatever. And his whole thing is, or the other thing he says is like some, for some men, these are the holy days that we must keep holy. And for other men, every day is holy. And Paul's trying to, he's trying to keep, he's trying to keep his young church from purity spiraling out and, and going crazy on each other for little things, right? So what he says is don't, don't trip the weaker brother. Don't despise the weaker brother. And it's a brilliant mindset frame from him. He's basically telling all these guys who are the weaker, you know, us who condemn others are actually the weaker. The guy who, who does the condemning is the weaker. But Paul brilliantly says to the guy who's doing the condemning, like, hey, man, as a more mature brother, don't, uh, don't condemn the weaker guy. You know, he's on a journey. Uh, and, and yesterday I was, I was speaking about how 2021 Scott would look at 2015 Scott and be like, yes, that guy's, that guy's. He needs to be kicked out. He's not doing the, he's not doing the stuff. Um, and I, I had, you know, I was still, I was still under a lot of liberal frames and a lot of deceptions that I've been on a journey over the last five years, uh, into a, you know, a journey of purification. DVG individual Amish men may struggle, but as a group, they continue to dominate. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the problem with purity spiraling. I think you've hit it on the head there. Christians have this idea, moral relativism, of Christian men don't sin. Christian men don't struggle with, with lusts and temptations. Uh, but Paul says that, that we, we have common, we're, we uh, have temptations that are common to all men. And it's how we deal with them that determines. So, so the purity spiral is, is actually pure, is political correctness. It's cancel culture. You know, so so our modern religion of liberalism, uh, if you don't affirm that a woman is stronger than a man, uh, there there is no grace for you. Like you're you're done. You're out. You lose your job. You lose your position. You get shamed. Uh, social uh, social assassination. Social killing. And um, when it comes to to the church, we're, we're not very different. You know, it's a very, um, yeah, we expect all the men to be polished and to not. So, so here, herein in lies the problem. If I, as a Christian man had to say, you know, man, I'm really struggling with this, or I need help with that, or this is my burden. We're afraid of appearing weak before all the other men. But if it was just a group of men together, uh, humble and, and we're just men, who God has had grace upon, 
it's like, yeah, brother, I, I've gone through the same thing or I am going through the same thing or I've gone something similar. Like that, that's understandable. There's, there's grace. And because we're all fighting for something. So, so I think this is a, a big issue because we're all fighting for something. You're worth more to us as a flawed man on our team than us kicking you off and not having you on the team. And so this is how the left keeps their coalition together is the baddie is Christianity. The baddie is whiteness. The baddie is Western Christendom. And that keeps them all together. It's the bus stop, bus stop analogy of we can fight over leftism later, but right now let's kill whitey. Let's kill Christianity. Let's kill the nuclear family. Uh, let's kill patriarchy. There's, there's these common enemies that make people hold space for less desirable people we don't really have that on the right so on the right we're far more individualistic in the fact of like i could never associate uh with with a baptist uh i don't i could never be seen with a baptist because if people think i'm a baptist then it's all over for me and uh and that's just widespread that you know it could be i don't want to be i don't want to associate with a mormon i don't want to associate with a roman catholic i don't want to associate with uh you know, whatever the the perceived, what is the hierarchy around me going to punish? I don't want to associate with that. Um, and that's a total liberal frame that we're in. TBG, Paul talks about those weaker conscience growing to develop stronger consciences. Yep. Thus, those with stronger conscience should not despise those with weaker, but those with the weaker shouldn't judge those with the stronger. So good. And and here we have the, the biggest thing, right, is conscience. And I'll tell you where this comes up, even in my own life, you know, because I, I at one stage was afraid of associating with, you know, I had weak boundaries. And people with weak boundaries are afraid of being controlled. So they don't want to associate with controlling people or dangerous people because they're like, if he's dangerous, I'll become dangerous. If he's dirty, I'll become dirty. And this thing of clean conscience is what is so important. A lot of people don't understand that it's, it's, it's totally possible to keep a clean conscience while being in a relationship with dirty, dangerous men. That's Jesus, right? Jesus cruised around with Judas. He, he spoke to tax collectors and prostitutes and fishermen. Uh, he stayed at their houses. He drank with them. He ate with them. Uh, he conversed with them. He never seared his conscience. You know, so, so for instance, with the prostitute, he didn't then engage in prostitution. With the tax collector, he didn't he didn't then engage in fraud. Uh, with the fisherman, he then didn't engage in whatever uncouth uh, society uh, put on them. Right? What he did do though is be like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of association with you. I'm not afraid of. I'm also not offended at you. You know. So for instance, Peter was a huge mess up. Right? Jesus wasn't like because this is our, our thought pattern that we have of God, the father of Peter messes up and the purity spiraling church culture is like, ah, oh, Peter's a liability. I don't know if we can have him in our church. I don't know if we can, uh, kind of, uh, say that Peter's one of us. You know, if we say that Peter's one of us, then, you know, people are going to be like, Oh, you were with, you, you're with Peter. Ah, uh, sorry, man. I'm, I, you know, you're not allowed in my house. That wasn't the case with Jesus. Jesus was like, it's okay, dude. Like, put the ear back on the centurion. We don't do that, Peter. Like, see, he's Christ is the stronger conscience. He's the the more mature brother, saying to Peter, Peter, we don't cut guys' ears off. Like, that's not the best thing. Like, cut this way, course correction. This way, this way, and he keeps dealing with Peter. Why does Christ like Peter? Peter's a fighter. Peter's a rock. 
Peter's a man of, of let's go do stuff, right? He's not this Judas hand-wringing like, oh, uh, you know, we need to look good, but just virtue signal. You know, the, the modern church guy is very much a Judas, right? They talk the good game to Jesus. They tickle Jesus' ears. They talk the good game around all the people. But when it comes time to do the stuff, they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like we, they sell out Jesus. They sell out integrity, morality, faith. Peter was a man of extreme faith, extreme faith. And that's why Jesus was pleased with him and willing to work with him. And so I come to David, right? David and his rejects. I was just reading in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, 22, the, the heading is David's 400 men. And this is when David is, is hiding from Saul. David therefore departed from there, escaped to the cave. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, listen to this, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Doesn't that sound like every, every one of us? Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Modern churches are petrified of discontented people. They're like, "You uh, don't don't tell me your discontents, but that's that's uh, that's gossip, uh, that's criticism, that's all the stuff." Like, uh, please don't like I don't want to associate with you. And it's like, wait a sec, dude. There's there's broken men out there who have been betrayed. They've been enslaved, indebted, uh, deceived, punished, abused. They're looking for a man who will love them and become captain over them. Everyone's looking for a good king. Everyone's looking for a king like Jesus. Do you think Peter, you know, Peter was, I bet you Peter would have loved to have become a rabbi and would have loved to have become, uh, you know, a good guy for God in the in the synagogue and, and being a good Jewish boy. Like, I bet that was his heart. But he was too, he was too hot-tempered. He was too strong on the, on the pedal. And I'm sure it broke his heart when, when rabbi said to him, like, you're not good, go be a fisherman. You know, like, I'm sure it broke his heart. And he was probably in debt. He was probably made some bad choices. He was probably, like, struggling. And, uh, you know, when Jesus comes along and Jesus says to him, Peter, come follow me. It's like, what? You know, the, the, I love that meme, uh, that Sam Hyde meme of, like, I'm Hitler's top guy. Uh, but then someone made the, the meme into Jesus sitting on the bench with that kid, that classic cartoon, saying, like, uh, Bruce, you've always been one of my top guys. But I was like, wow, like that's super wholesome. You know, like imagine sitting on a bench and Jesus saying to you, like, Peter, you're one of my top guys. Like you're my top guy. Like that would make a rough fisherman grown man cry. John Terry, how's it going? Francisco, hey brother. It's always good to have you guys in the chat, man. I really appreciate you popping in. All right, Francisco, this is so true. Uh, when you're sure of what you believe, when faith has deep roots, you're ready for the world. Yeah. Because what else do we have, you know, with, with clown world? The reason so many people give up on their faith is that they don't understand the, that suffering is part and parcel of Jesus' walk, right? It's why people get so offended with prosperity preachers, right? God is a God of prosperity. He takes delight in the prosperity of his servants. The problem that guys get wrong is they say you're going to have no problems. You're going to have no suffering. You're going to have no storms. And then guys, they encounter a storm. They encounter the, 
the absolute insanity of clown world. And they've got all these Christian preachers, not even just, uh, not even um, prosperity guys, but just your classic generic pastor saying, everything's great, guys. Everything's great. Tap on the shoulder. It's like, no, like my life's actually full of despair and my life is full of suffering. And this is supposed to be the good news, you know, because they, they don't understand the fellowship of the sufferings uh, that brings us into, into fellowship with Christ. And we can be blessed and we can be kings and we can be sons in the midst of suffering. You know, it's that whole thing of, uh, I read a quote once, but it's like, it's okay to enjoy yourself when you're going through bad times. Like, it's okay to go through bad times and it's okay to enjoy yourself. Da, da, da. Yeah, DBG, I'd rather associate with men who have made mistakes of strength. They fight too much. They're better to any woman than those who are scared of their own shadow. Yeah, exactly, man. It's it's the positive it's the the common grace, the natural ways of God of like the strengths of masculinity rather than the weaknesses of emasculated men. You know, both are a sin. I think one is is the lesser of two evils. And so we see that here with with David and and his his they're not the mighty men yet, but David loves these guys, right? He has compassion on them. And I think that's what I'm really excited about is is the purity spiral, the the purity spiral is important, you know, because we want, we want at least some form of, here it is, purity spiraling without a mission becomes political correctness, communist Russia, just killing people left, right, and center to keep things, keep clown world from unraveling. And that's where we are in America right now, right? This, this crazy cancel culture of like, you know, probably within the next couple of weeks, but it's like, if you don't support dogs changing into cats while being lesbian, like you're canceled, you know, whatever the next more extreme thing is, they're always going to go more extreme because there's no mission. Right. And so I think that's the key for us is understanding as dominion is our mission. If dominion, if Christendom, if discipling the nations and stewarding creation, uh, if that is our, our mission, we can actually form a, a very strong coalition with a lot of guys who are walking in the same direction, not in the same vehicle, perhaps not in the same uh, style, not at the same speed, but we're going in the same direction. It becomes very easy to, to fight them rather than fighting the enemy, the mission that we're all going towards. And that's the distraction that the enemy wants us to, right? So, so he wants us saying, well, I could never be a Baptist because I'm a, uh, 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 trying to think of what the, I was going to say a Zionist, but I was like, that's not even Christian. I mean, Christian Zionists, I suppose. Regardless, whatever your sect is, right? Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, uh, event, whatever your, your thing is, it's like, I could never associate with them because they're a Baptist and then people are going to think I'm a Baptist or like, you know, it's like, guys, none of these things are worth dying over. None of these things are worth getting off of your mission to go and hit them with a stick. You know, even, even to the point of, of there's things that are mission critical that we'll fight over, you know? So, so for instance, I, I do think like the divinity of Jesus and us being Christians is something to contend over, you know? So it's like, I'm not going to get into a, a coalition with Muslims. I'm not going to get into a coalition with Jews, you know, and that's where a lot of the church has gone wrong is, is they've treated Jews as more blessed than the church. They've, 
they've gone in and made an idol out of Israel uh, at the expense of actually doing their mandate, which is getting Israel saved. You know, they, a lot of guys are like, guys, out of respect for the Jews, don't minister to them. Don't evangelize to them because it's disrespectful to them. And, and we've got to bless them. And it's like, dude, they're not in the same lane as us. They're not fighting the same thing. They're not going for the same culture. You know, it's, it's fascinating as well. Like I was reading, um, uh, some survival uh, blog or whatever about the readout and, 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 you know, really, uh, re, um, populating, uh, the, the Idaho corridor and, and getting out of Dodge and they're like, Jews are welcome and Judeo Christian, the whole meme of Judeo Christian. And it's just like, man, this is boomer liberalism. This is boomer liberalism 101 of, you know, we, we, we think that just because of this whole meme that they're the same as us, they're the same as us guys. It's like, we're not the same. We're not the same mission. We're not the same identity. Uh, we, we should love them and we should minister to them, but we shouldn't idolize them. So let me carry on in the chat over here. Francisco, the point is that Jesus makes you able to suffer since he gives meaning to your suffering. This is why Christians can bear much deeper suffering than others until martyrdom without complaint. Yeah. And that's it. It's not loving your own life even unto death. You know, I think, I think that's the modern capitalist liberal Christianity of God wants me to be comfortable and he wants all my desires ticked and I'm going to be, you know, I can just eat whatever I want, have sex with whoever I want, uh, pursue whatever I want. And it's like, no, God has a plan for my life. That's going to be very, I, I'm going to have to be a, a disciplined man towards that mission and perhaps lose my life for it. You know, I think that's the, that's where you find meaning. It's like, what am I willing to lose my life for? Not, not for pleasure. To use a medical analogy, DBG. A healthy immune system protects the organism from real threats, but an overactive immune system creates allergies, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, and leukemia, etc. And when the immune system is overactive, it becomes so tired that it is too exhausted to fight against real threats because it is attacking fake threats all the time, similar to PTSD. Yep. As Jesus says, strain out a fly, but swallow a camel. Yep, exactly. So let me get to, to David's guys here. So David takes in all these guys. He has compassion on them. The reason it worked the reason these these ragtag 400 bunch of Peters worked is that, number one, David wasn't trying to run a church. You know, David was running a kingdom that was under, under threat of not surviving the next week. You know, there was a huge survival mission. Uh, and then there was also future glory, uh, a, dominion, a dominion vision. You know, they're like, hey, one day we're going to be in the palace uh, and you're all going to be my top guys. And so I'm going to start discipling you to be able to be top guys. You're going to be able to steward when we become in the palace. You're not going to be a ragtag bunch. We're, we're going to be top guys. And that's an amazing thing. You know, when, when, we, can, when we can let go of our, of our cleanliness of optics, of wanting all the ladies, uh, the, the church ladies to be like, Oh yes, he's a good Christian guy. He's such a nice guy. When we can let go of that fear of approval and fear of man and fear of woman and actually get to the point of like, what is my mission? You know, because if we can speak truth, uh, that's half of our mission. 
You know, if we can, if we can uh, be willing to give up our life uh, for whatever God has put on our heart to, you know, you'll know for a lot of guys, most of the time it's this, it is the great commission. It's, it's disciple the nations. It's proclaim good news to the, to the poor. It's liberty to the captives, binding up of the brokenhearted. You know, uh, some aspect of that will play out through your natural talents and your natural passions. Um, and there'll be a, a, a time where you become so much like Jesus that people will want to crucify you. Even if you're just a, a shoemaker or a shoe salesman, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a shoe salesman. I have a family. Um, I'm really good at what I do. You know, uh, I love my boss or I'm really good to my, my employees, whatever the case is. Like I'm Jesus to them, right? I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm a moral guy. Uh, I'm doing the right thing, providing for my family. Uh, there will come a time where people just won't like you because you're such a moral guy. You're such a good guy. You're, you're, you're Jesus on earth. And it's going to be religious people. It's going to be high and high and moral people who are going to be angry with you. Um, and on the liberal side too, you know, a lot of liberal academics, a lot of liberal uh, priests. I say priests not in the in the in the the title, like they're not literal priests, but they they serve the function. You know, I would say a lot of a lot of uh, media people are liberal priests. They'll be angry with you. Uh, and so you can you can expect either temptations where people try and, and corrupt you and undermine you with with choices to try and entrap you uh, and break you and and offer you things that that will break your conscience sear your conscience and then and then they they've won you know uh, or they will try and destroy you outright and it's at that point that you need your bunch of guys you know your guys around you who you know it's okay to it's okay to fall it's okay to trip it's okay to stumble. It's okay to get knocked down. Uh, it says in Proverbs that a righteous man uh, falls down seven times, uh, but he gets up. And, you know, it's that whole thing of how many times do you forgive someone? Seven times, seven to seven. Proverbs is, is hitting on that same thread of like a lot of Christian guys, we get saved and we get so condemned over not being able to fix one uh, sin habit or fix one uh aspect of our character or our our uh, persona that doesn't match what we have put as this perfect christian christian life and it's like it's okay to fail it's okay to fail you know we just need to carry on getting up and moving in the right direction uh direction is more important than speed all right let me keep up with you chaps francisco yeah true king commands you he tells you how to act and you obey your obedience to him as a token to his rightful authority. We follow Christ, not because it is good for us, but because he is king. It's really good. DBG, by fighting the dirty battles, <laughs> chopping off foreskins, David created structures that protected the church, but did not have a mission in the church per se. Very necessary. You know, that's that's something for me as well. That that That's a huge thing here is we've lost the ability to think of culture without the church as the only vehicle. The church is not the only vehicle for culture. You know, I used to think along those lines of like, in order for me to change culture, I need to become a pastor. I need to plant a church. Uh, and that's the only way for me to change culture. It's one of the ways. It's one of the weapons. It's one of the tools. Uh, one of the others is the sword. You know, to bear the sword is a ministry. And that's talking about governance, uh, politics. Uh, it's talking about headship, patriarchy, fatherhood. So, so we've got home. We've got church. We've got the marketplace, economy. Uh, we've got governance. 
Uh, and I, I, I would, I would put any institution um, under under the sword, and and you know, you look at academia, you look at any sort of like big corporate institution. They have immense power to wield a sword, and so it becomes a ministry for Christian men to uh, both capture or copy uh, these institutions, and then bear the sword as a man in the image of Christ. And and that is and that is subverted when we say the church is the only way for strong men to to have an impact on culture. Uh, Franco Francisco. I was called you Franco. I did call you Franco. And as Christians, our difference from other creeds is that we recognize this fact and want to help others recognize it as well. Telling us others of this with prudence is a great act of love. DVG, righteous man falls seven times, wicked man falls just once. It's really good. It's that whole thing of, of you're only done when you give up. This whole thing of telling others with prudence, you know, that that is it. Barrier to entry for Christianity is very low which is great. Any man can become a Christian. But there's also a very steep hierarchy, which means status status then within that hierarchy becomes very hard. And that is, I think, what we, we struggle with in the church. Again, is, is usually a lot of small churches of like 100 or so. One guy is the top guy. Uh, you know, he's got all the honor in the hierarchy. And there's no way for the average guy to gain status uh, within that hierarchy. You know, you can have, for me, having a huge family, that's high status. Having a business, that's high status. Being out of debt, that's high status. Uh, being a man of truthfulness and, and, and no fear, that's high status. But often the pastor is none of those things. But he's high status according to his position, which is fine. That's fine. There's other institutions. There's other ministries that these men who perhaps don't fulfill um, the the uh, requirements of a pastor, but it's like, yeah, you fulfill the requirements of a king, though, brother. You're a fighter, you know. All right, so let me let me carry on here with with where I was going with all of this. Feel like it's been a good round round ramble. All right, so David's life himself. Let's talk about David himself. David would be disqualified as a Christian. He would be disqualified as a pastor, definitely. You know, it's really funny is that David, <clears throat> we, we look at David as this poet, musician, uh, Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin, David would have looked like Chris Tomlin just banging away on his guitar and being a good boy and he was just a lovely king and what a great king. And it's like, yeah, this whole thing with, with Philistine, like it's basically for his marriage diary, he went and chopped off the pieces the end pieces of men's chap, uh, 200 of them, uh, to get married. It's like, it's pretty crazy, B. So David himself, right here, he was a man of serious intention, serious uh, drive, serious faithfulness, a faithful man, a fighting man. But he was not a man of squeaky clean optics, right? And so we need, to, we need to realize that as well of, of this thing of we're so afraid, we're so petrified of being someone who others disapprove of. Uh, and, and we fall into that, that emasculated sins of weakness, you know, of, of the passivity and 
well, I'm just not going to do anything so that I don't look bad or I don't look dirty or I don't look mean. Uh, you know, it's Donald. Donald is the perfect picture of, of David. You know, if, if guys, if pastors started preaching that, like if you want a picture of what David looked like, it's Donald. You know, this, this crazy, bold, handsome, cavaliering young bachelor has multiple wives, uh, has battles with many powerful people, builds incredible things. Uh, and yeah, at the end of his life kind of tanks some stuff and, and has some moral failures and, and backstabs a few of his, his close, gets one of his closest guys murdered and bangs his wife. Uh, and then that daughter, that son, uh, ends up taking over the family business. It's like, well, welcome to David brother. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's crazy, but we, we, we have so purity spiraled our expectations for Christian men's success. I'm, I'm not saying that, that we should all go out and look like Donald. I'm saying we should all have the same efficacy. We should all have the same drive. We should all have the same freedom, you know, the absolute balls to just say whatever we feel we want to say. All right. Enough on that. So here's my other thing I wanted to say was uh, with moral relativism in the church. Uh, women are a great uh, wind vane of power. You know, women are great at political correctness. And with uh, egalitarian, equality and egalitarianism and, and elevating uh, women into pastor, pastoral roles or leadership roles, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's this... Um, innate ability in women to survive without physical confrontation. They're brilliant at seeing political, you know, uh, cracks and, and playing people off. And, and, you know, that's why gossip gossip was a, a, a way for women to survive by finding out what's going to happen. How do I survive? How do I maneuver? Who's angry with me? Who's not angry? How do I maneuver and status and all this stuff? Um, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that that's what it is. And so women are incredibly good at being politically correct. Now in the church, you know, when you put women in charge, when you put women on, on the pedestal, when you put women on the podium, all of a sudden political correctness just grabs in like, Oh, you can't say that. Oh, you can't say that. And it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like, isn't there a strong King here who, who allows us to say whatever we want because he's our protector. And it's like, no, 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 we have to, we have to honor the government. Uh, we have to uh, honor our unsaved guests. Uh, we can't just be extreme here. And so there's immediate uh, political oppression uh, happens. And it's not only women, it's feminized guys as well. Gamma feminized men, same thing. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll be in a, in a preaching and be like, I just want to thank uh, all our servicemen uh, who have served uh, and women and women uh, and the woman. It's like, okay, you're, you're a slave to the liberal frame. And so with, with that moral relativism, uh, you know, if, if you're getting your moral cues from the culture, you're going to start looking at the rough Christian man, the, the Peter. And you're going to be like, whoa, this guy's a bigot. Whoa, this guy's a misogynist. Whoa, this guy's a racist. Whoa, this guy's a hothead. Whoa, this guy, like, you're just going to start laying it on Peter and being like, we don't want him in our church. We're not going to build our church on guys like Peter. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to build our church on guys like Peter. 
pretty pretty incredible. Francisco, as Christians, we are our worst advocate. I myself have never been dissuaded from Catholicism, from atheists, but from bad, weak, fake Catholicism. Our fight is against false Catholicism. Yeah, full on, bro. So, so with the Catholics, you know, and that's it for me as well. It's like, you know, we're on the same, you know, me as a Protestant, I can be friends. It was actually great. You know, I coached a rugby team where half the boys were Catholic boys. And we ended up having a, a joint Bible study uh, once a week with the Catholic boys and the Protestant boys. And it was phenomenal. Like, we're all fighting the same thing. We just have a different flavor, a different a different understanding. But here's the deal. I I don't have control over your spiritual life. I don't do, I don't your right standing with God doesn't depend on me. If it did, now we'd have to fight. Because it's like Scott, you not believing what I believe in is going to get me in trouble. And it's like now we have to fight. But when you understand this like it's like hey man I can tell you what I believe is the truth. You can tell me what you believe is the truth. At the end of the day, I'm responsible for myself. You're responsible for yourself. And it's like, I can be associated with you because I'm not, I'm not guilty of your thoughts. I'm not guilty um, of your belief system. You know, there's this, this incredible thing of like, that's why our, our society has got so insane, right? In the 80s, everyone's like, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Oh, that's okay, because neither of us have power to force republicanism on the Democrat, Democratic, uh, Democrat policies on the Republican. It's like, it was just bland, you know, like, oh, 5% tax cut, oh, 5% more healthcare, like whatever the thing was. Fast forward to today, and it's like, if the Republicans win, abortions are banned, and abortion is our, our idol. If Democrats win, guns are banned, and infinite immigration. It's like, yeah, we need a freaking fight. We need to fight, like, because we have power over each other, you know? So we need to understand that when it comes to associate, association is, does this man, does this man's belief have power over my personal life? Because that's how we determine whether we fight each other or not. So someone being a Mormon, someone being Amish, someone being uh, whatever they are, uh, doesn't have power over my life because I have very good boundaries. DVG, purity spiraling, kicking out non-kosher men who cause or appreciate women too loudly is causing the continued decrease in church membership. But it took David's band of malcontents to protect the priests. Yeah. That's why I stopped, John Terry, that's why I stopped watching TV. Every time I turn it on, it enforces the liberal narrative. Have to switch it off. Yeah. You know, that's it, man. That TV is, is uh, it's our our priesthood. It's our Bible. You know, if we watch it, that's that's your scripture. We've become so incredibly fragile to tolerating differences among fellow men and so insecure. That's it. It's this fragility of like, man, if this guy says something, here's what it is. It's this communist Russian secret police narrative of like, we're always being watched. So if I don't condemn what someone else says, I'm in trouble. You know, that's how it worked in communist Russia, right? If some guy is being like, I don't like Stalin and I say nothing, both of us get killed. That's how it worked, right? Both of us get killed. So it turns me into this. I don't like Stalin. It's like, I need to go tell. I need to go tell the Stasi before both of us get killed. That's what we're living under now in the church. That's what we're living under now in our, our workplaces, you know? Um, and so this, this ability to withstand the fragility of a police state, of political oppression, uh, it's, it should be a very Christian thing because we, we, don't, we don't fear for our lives. We don't serve a God who is, we don't serve Zeus, you know, this, this high tempered, like, oh, you said something wrong, lightning bolt. 
but God, I was so good for nine days and this is just my bad day. It's like, that's not how God works. Like God is a good father. He loves us. He takes pleasure in us. Like Peter, I can imagine God just had so much pleasure in Peter. Like just watching the guy's life must have been just, what a fun, what a fun thing. What a fun thing. Uh, Rob, purity spiraling is a real problem. But if I if I had one, but one bullet and we're faced by both an enemy and a traitor, I would let the traitor have it. Cornelius Codrenu, based Codrenu, very based. Yeah, I agree. And and that's where, where it comes to this thing of, of that is where it does become important uh, to have a vision and a mission. You know, that's the purity spiral, not the behavior of the men within uh, the mission. You know, the traitor, it's easy to spot the traitor because they have a different mission. Uh, it's only once we start going hard at a mission, which which hardly any of us do, you know, we we it's hard because we have no mission organizations. You know, our very few of our churches are Dominion uh, outworking. There, there's no practical outworking of Dominion. Uh, so, so many who have families and have businesses and have some form of of significance in in their local community, it's like you are a one man institution. You're a one man Dominion institution, uh, and it's trying to link up with with other men who are doing that that we finally get an, a, a, an organization going, an institutional power going, that's when we need to start gatekeeping traders. What does a trader look like in that case? I think it's someone who's out for their own gain. You know, it's like, again, it's like, I think that's where it's like Paul says about those dudes who are preaching the gospel for money. And he's like, guys, I don't really care as long as the gospel gets preached. And I think that's where a lot of, a lot of times for us, like we need to expect traders we need to expect men who sell out and grift and it's again it's don't focus on them carry on with your mission carry on with your mission uh, i agree with the codrenu quote like you know i i believe if we can take a guy behind uh behind the shed and eject him it's like that's uh it's preferable to carrying him along you know blocking on twitter is a wonderful thing um and i believe in churches like church discipline is a wonderful thing we're just doing it for the wrong thing you know, so church discipline and kicking someone out over being a Peter. Uh, no, it's like we should be kicking out Judases. You know, men who who act Christian, they they act more Christian than the Peter. Judas acted more Christian than Peter. Those are the ones who we should be kicking out of the church. All right. DVG, Jesus uh, let Judas self-select out. He didn't select him out by excommunication. Yeah, really good. Rob, churches must uh, learn to be exclusionary toward wicked behavior. Yeah, it's true. It's really good. Here's here's the thing, though. The difference between uh, wicked uh, nature and wicked habit, right? So Peter was a wicked-natured man who was sincerely trying to follow God. David was a wicked-natured man who was sincerely trying to follow God. And I think we're trying to figure this thing out. You know, I, I think that's what I just, I just came on to ramble about this topic today. You know, I don't really have a lot of answers other than we need a hard mission and to be going for it uh, and to make friends who are, are perhaps different, uncomfortably different to us, but are going for the same mission. Uh, this thing of what do we do with David's and Peter's? You know, I think we need to start becoming comfortable with them, uh, but then also being frank with them. You know, this, this thing of, as long as my conscience is not seared, I'm happy to be Jesus and sit with the tax collector. 
I'm happy to be Jesus and take Peter with me everywhere I go. Uh, I'm happy to be David um, and have 400 men flock to me who no one else wants. No one else will touch with a 10-foot pole. Because I'm going to draw them to a vision of the palace of chaps. We're going to have 10 years of running around this desert fighting for our lives. And then we're going to rule. We're going to have dominion. So I need you guys to uh, be the characters that can maintain dominion, that can maintain blessing, that can maintain morality and economy. You know, we need strong families. That means no running around on your wives. We need strong families. That means disciplining your children. Uh, we need uh, freedom to be fearless. That means no debt to bankers. That means uh, no watching TV and being indebted to journalists. And I think if we took that view in our Christian friendships and churches of like, we can take fighting men, Donald's and David's and Peter's, and we can envision them, give them a vision for dominion and how they are going to be kings themselves. You know, there, there's no greater uh, change, behavioral change, uh, than an identity change. It's like, you know, Peter, you're not some fisherman who's blown it, who no one cares about and who's rejected from being a, a synagogue boy. And, uh, you know, your dad didn't love you and uh, you were abused and guys made fun of you. And, you know, you're not, maybe you're not a very good fisherman. That's not who you are. You know, Jesus says to him, on you, I will build my church. Uh, you're a rock, my boy. Like you're an absolute mountain. You, you are my top guy. You're my top guy. I'm the king of kings. You know, who, who am I, Peter? Lord, you're the son of God. Like Peter knew who this guy was. And it's like that guy said to Peter, Peter, you're my top guy. You're my top guy. Like Peter's like identity had to change for his life habits, for his, his morality to change. Same with David, right? David, he, these 400 guys flock to him. He's not just some shepherd boy. He's not just some guy on the run from the state. He was anointed by Samuel. Samuel was like the Tucker Carlson, the Pope, uh, Bono of his generation, right? Everybody knew who Samuel was. Samuel was the big shot who communed with God. Samuel comes and pours oil on this man and declares him the next king, right? Then he goes and he, in front of the whole army, David, in front of the whole Israelite army, goes and slays a giant, goes and slays Goliath, right? Then the king, he's now married to the king's daughter, right? David was not a nobody. David was Jesus to these people. And so they're flocking to him. And he's like, yeah, I'll take you, chaps. You'll, you'll be my guys. You'll be my top guy. And that's why they start to change. That's how they start to change. And there's lots of instances where they, they, you know, they mess up and they grumble and there's despair. And there's, you know, at one stage, their, attack, their camp gets attacked and all of their people get their wives and children get uh, stolen and, and they're, they're, they're thinking about giving up on David. And, you know, they went through the Peter journey, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. DPG, uh, Judas virtue signaled, Peter kept effing up publicly. Andrew Quinn, Jews are not God's chosen people. Yep. Judas was the ultimate social justice virtue signaler. Peter was the one that kept on effing up publicly and was racist for wanting to focus on Jews and Gentiles. Yeah. 
Yeah, for real. Like all of this, chaps, we're you know hitting it on the head. Yeah, love it. Um, Andrew, especially with this thing of Jews and not God's chosen people, you know, it's such a it's such a flashpoint for the boomer liberal uh, Christian. They will, they will, they will on one hand completely fall into diversity is our strength. Everyone is the same. Everybody is loved by God. Uh, you know, magic dirt, except Israel, except Israel, you know, so open borders for us, except Israel. Uh, anyone can become an American except Israel. Uh, you know, this, this thing of, uh, you know, you can talk badly about anyone in America. You can talk badly except Israel. And so this thing of like not understanding that we are the, the heirs of Abraham, you know, and then after saying that uh, in Galatians three, it then says there is now no, no in Christ Jesus, there is now no Jew or Greek. You know, a lot of people like to then say that that's a basis for no more nationalism, uh, but it's a, it's a basis for no more. Uh, the church is now Israel. The church is now blessed. The church is now uh, all of us who have uh, Israel is now all of us who have faith in Jesus Christ. We are the new Israel. We are Jews inwardly in our hearts. Very cool. Very cool. Alrighty, gents. I feel that's a good ramble. Uh, sorry, I didn't have many answers. I did have answers. The answer to purity spiraling is having compassion for your brothers who are walking in the same direction as you, even if they're at a different speed or they smell funny uh, or they aren't wearing the same sweet gear. Love you, boys. May the God of all good things bless you and your families and your businesses. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow.